Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning that it's not suitable for children. And it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast. So Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Our guest today has a story so large, we've decided to split it up into two episodes, and you'll hear part two on Thursday. For reasons that will become apparent and definitely understandable, our guest has chosen to remain anonymous. She was raised mostly in a single father household alongside her sister, and her upbringing was far from ordinary. Her turbulent relationship with her mother added to the complexity of her early years, 
And although today she's not only a law-abiding citizen who has had a long career in social work, in the past, she was anything but. We begin our conversation with our guest telling us about her earliest childhood memories. I would uh, look. I would consider myself incredibly lucky for lots and lots of reasons. My sister and I had the most amazing dad. My mum left when I was about four. My sister was two. My dad had been quite a successful bank manager, and my mother had a harebrained scheme to move to Harden in outback New South Wales and buy a pub. Uh, my mother's Welsh, so they're very big drinking kind of culture anyway. So yeah, they'd moved to Harden, taken over a pub. You know, my mum had like a sawn off pool cube behind the counter to, you know, like move the ruffians along when they got out of control. Yeah, so uprooted their nice life in inner city Sydney and moved to Harden, which is like in the middle of absolute nowhere. And your husband's a banker. He's hardly yeah, built for it. Yeah, totally. And he was pretty much a teetotaler, my dad. Mum you know, hooked up with the local, I don't know, bloke and oh. left. Uh, and then, you know, dad ended up having to kind of pack up my sister and I and uh, we moved back to Sydney. My mother, uh, so for pretty much my entire childhood, she was absent. So she's a raging alcoholic. She wasn't there uh, from about the age of four until I was about 16, which is when my father died. So she came back maybe three months before he died, and uh, we've had her ever since. But look, she was just an agent of chaos. So she uh, kidnapped us a few times, took us to Wales, back to her family. My God. Yeah, that one was a bit shit. In the middle of the night, took our dad's car and his keycard and bought flights to the UK, and we, yep, ended up in Wales. There was a return order, like a Court legal order return order. Uh, so we were there for about 12 months before we came back. And then she did it again. So I started school in Wales where they only speak Welsh. And look, her boyfriends, I mean, she is way more nuts than any of them ever were. But, you know, she never, she didn't pick well. Apart from your dad. Yeah. She was really volatile, you know, and quite uh, violent. She came and picked us up after school one day and was like, no, no, your dad totally knows, and then took us to Lake's entrance. And what she would do is she would come with the boyfriend and then take us somewhere. Obviously, our dad actually had no idea where we were, so that would have been very awful for him. But the weird part is because she would then just go to the pub, right, or give us like a bag of coins to go and play like the in the video games arcade. And I rang my dad who came and picked us up. Good but girl. when um, when she and the boyfriend came home and I told them that our dad was on his way, uh, her boyfriend hung me over the balcony by my foot because he was very cranky. Yeah, so, you know, she didn't really pick good men. Concurrently to all of that, so when we lived in Campsie, we lived in a block of flats and our neighbour, uh, is was a pedophile. This is when you were living with your dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's obviously a lot more to this aspect of the story and we'll delve into it more deeply on Thursday's edition of Australian True Crime. But after this break on today's show, 
We'll find out how our guest picked up a $5,000 a day heroin addiction. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So, but then as you were getting older, were you, and your mum started you drinking, but did you start looking for alcohol yourself as a coping mechanism? Yeah, so my dad um, got liver cancer. And mm. my mother came back. So we'd moved to Strathfield by that point and we were quite close to the high school. So we used to walk to and from school and stuff and had friends around. And um, <laughs> I ended up with uh, a friend from high school moving in, kind of my first girlfriend, but, you know, not that it was that because it was the 90s. But, yeah, it was funny because mum was always very sus on the boys. Never thought about the girls, though. <laughs> I know. Bless. Totally fine to share a bed when you're girls. So look, the first time I stayed out all night without coming home was when he was in hospital dying, which at the time, I think it's really hard because you don't really get that death is coming. No. So I picked up a boyfriend somewhere along the way. He was a pub denizen of my mother's. He was quite a bit older probably like eight, seven, eight years older. I mean, I was only 17 at the time. He was involved in the car trade and I moved out with him, I reckon just after I turned 18, I was going to Sydney Uni and studying and we'd moved to the other side of Sydney to this house of someone that he knew who we were house-sitting for while they lived overseas. It was a really beautiful house. He came with a number of hangers-on of his own. So me and his kind of dropkick mates 
lived in this beautiful house looking after their poor border collie. And, you know, I was smoking a lot of pot. He picked up this kid. I reckon was probably only 16. I mean, I was only 18. I was only a kid myself. But the kid was like a detailer at the yards, had a pretty complicated background himself. He moved in with us. And, you know, one day they came home and they had heroin and they smoked it and they said it was amazing. And I was a bit like, oh, heroin. Oh, my God, losers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I reckon it probably took maybe a week or two. And I was like, all right, fine. You keep talking about how good it is. Fine. So, yeah, so we started smoking. I think I finished the first semester of uni, dropped out by the second semester. Happens quick. It was very quick. Doesn't it? And so by the end of that first year from, you know, we had a really nice house in the National Park, working, uni, like we had quite a good outward life away from my mother. Um, We were homeless and we'd moved back in with my mother. So did you start stealing to pay for gear? Yeah. And look, again, the thing about, um, I guess, having a drug habit is that in a lot of ways, it's like Groundhog Day. Because every day you wake up um, and you need to get money. So over time, we got to be manageable enough to have a shot in the morning. So when we woke up, we weren't sick. And because when he stopped working, he stopped having the cars. Yeah. So then you've got to get on the train and go around to the shopping centres and then steal stuff and then sell it. And then you've got to get the train to Cabra and you've got to score and then... You've got to find somewhere to use. Um, He really has got the gift of the gab, that fellow. So I think our lives were probably a lot easier because of that. Um, He talked his way out of the most extraordinary things. Yeah, so he often wouldn't get arrested because he would talk his way out of it. Um, The worst bit was hanging out, having to go shoplifting, getting arrested before you've had your first taste of the day because, you know, because the cops hate junkies. So they will make you sit in the cells as long as they possibly can, six, eight hours before they'll let you go. Mm. And that is the worst. So, you know, the first kind of money of the day is always the most anxious because, yeah, the last thing you want is to get arrested and then spend the rest of the day in the cells because that sucked. What were you stealing and who were you selling it to? There were varying stages, right? We lived in my friend's dead mum's house for a while in Villawood near the detention centre. Mm-hmm. And so we used to throw pot and grog and cigarettes over the fence for all the people in there. But look, we had varying degrees of kind of manageability, I guess. Probably the best scheme that we got onto was hiring taxi drivers to drive us around. So we'd pay them 50 bucks an hour. I mean, they knew exactly what we were doing and they'd let us use in their cab. It was largely things like razor blades and film, like that stuff that is kind of high value. For cameras? Yeah. Before we had our Before we had phones phones everywhere. So going out to people in the street, do you want to buy film? Yeah, I don't think we, I think we always had like a fence Ah. from memory. I think that he started selling stuff to, because you know, Parramatta Road, lots of stuff falls off the back of a truck. Yeah. on Parramatta Road. So he kind of always had contacts. Look, we hit on all sorts of schemes. Like there was a point where you could fill up a trolley in Woolies mm-hmm. and kind of get it out of a checkout and just keep going and no one would kind of notice or come after you. 
you know, I remember going to Maya and putting on about 15 pairs of Calvin Klein underwear and then wearing them all out of the shop. And they'd be resold? Yeah, they'd yeah. be resold. Probably not the ones on the bottom. I get it. No, I get it. Yeah, but maybe the enough. rest of them. Um, <laughs> we had a whole lot of tools to kind of get the dye tags and the beepers off them. We also got onto a thing of doing jewellery shops. So our little mate was young and he was very little, so he used to go into the toilets in a shopping centre, go into the roof in the toilet, wait there until the shopping centre was God. closed. Yeah, yeah. Um, come out with a sledgehammer, put a hole in the shop window of the jewellery shop and then kind of grab all the stuff. They don't leave any of those things in the windows anymore. No. You know, I mean... Obviously, I'm a good law-abiding citizen these days, and a lot of that stuff is absolutely do not condone. So, you know, we um, I ended up on a suspended sentence in Sydney, which is why I moved to Melbourne. At the end, I was using about $2,000 a day, me, a day, on heroin. That's wow. just me. Yeah. So we had a five grand between us habit. We were living with his mother, who is a really unpleasant person. Yeah. Um, and by this point, you know... The cops were kind of closing in. So, you know, there was a day when we got followed from where we were living to various shopping centres, then to Footscray to sell it all, then back to Fitzroy. We got pulled over on Victoria Street in peak hour traffic and I got strip searched on Victoria Street. No. <laughs> peak hour traffic. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. How oh, we used to get strip searched all the time. In public? Yeah. How do they do that? They just do it. They like literally get you nude? Yeah. On the nude. footpath? Yeah. Nude. I did not know that. So, yeah, look, for me, the police were kind of closing in, like we were getting raided, our crimes were getting worse, like the things that we had to do to kind of earn money. Yeah, did you ever hurt anybody? Uh, no. no. Uh, not Look, not physically, but, you know, we had guns and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so the boyfriend living with his mum, his sister was living with us as well. Yeah. She had started going to AA oh. and she was about six months sober. One day he was going out to make, well, we were going out to make money and I was like, actually, you know what? I am fucking tired. I don't want to do it today. I can't. I just can't do it today. So, you know, I stayed home and watched like Judge Judy or something, you know, and his sister ended up saying, mm, I was going to go to a meeting. Do you want to come? Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, eh. yeah, sounds awful. And she's like, there is actually NA for drug addicts. And in those days, phone line. So she ran up the phone line. Guess what? There's a meeting starting in half an hour around the corner in Coburg on a Thursday night. Let's go. And I was like, oh. So I went over to Coles and shoplifted a whole lot of stuff and then drank all this chocolate milk and then vomited all over myself. <laughs> went to the meeting, covered in spew. And look, I was very smashed. But people were really nice to me, which was weird because, yeah, I was I literally was covered in vomit. There are still quite a lot of people who were at that meeting and remember it quite vividly. Mm -hmm. And I look, again, I don't totally remember, but at some point we must have gone out for coffee afterwards and this chick who'd used a lot of speed, so, you know, junkie, speed, whoa, it was very intense. There was a lot of words. Mm -hmm. But I heard her talk about this rehab, the Self-Help Addiction Resource Centre in Glen Huntley, which was for young people, shark. Anyway, fast forward a few whatevers in court, 50-ish charges, a lot of charges. Yeah. Um, so they organised me to go to detox and, you know, rehab was everything I, you know, you would imagine that it would be. It was really intense. I probably hadn't appreciated that I had a massive benzos habit as well. Okay. So I was probably taking 
50 or 60 Valium a day, but that doesn't even register, right? The last time I used, because uh, in Shark you would get optioned out, is what it's called. You'd have to go out for kind of seven days and have a think about what you'd done and then decide whether you want to come back with clean screens. The last time I used, I used more gear than I'd ever used in my life, probably enough to kill me, really. And I didn't sleep, which is absolutely not what you use heroin for. You absolutely do not use it, not to sleep. Um, and I was awake for three days. It was so painful. So like spiritually, emotionally, yeah. psychologically agonizing. Which again is the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Exactly. And then by the time I'd been in rehab for about six months, uh, at first I couldn't go to Centrelink and the supermarket and the bank all in one day. That was absolutely beyond me. But, you know, I slowly started to be able to kind of pick up the pieces of my life. But I did lots of meetings and I did lots of, um, I guess, what we call service. So lots of contributing to the fellowship, you know, opening meetings, got involved in the kind of bigger hierarchy and represented, you know, my meeting, then represented Victoria. And I guess for me, I fundamentally understand that I'm an addict. I get that lots of people have hang-ups about the language. I'm pretty free about the use of the word junkie because I absolutely was. I've got the, you know, hectic track marks still to prove it. Mm -hmm. I'll be 22 years clean and sober on the 1st of October this year. But, you know, I'm still an addict. If I picked up tomorrow, I have no doubt I'd need to go back to detox within the blink of an eye. Your line of work now. I guess it's the out-of-home care system. Yeah. And then a lot of time in the in the best rehabs in Australia. Yep. Lots of time working in AOD. Yeah. And so what do you do now? Uh, I work in um, mental health. So I work in a PHN, you know, primary health network funded role. Yeah. So you're still about service a lot. Yeah. Helping others. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to combat that selfishness it, because it's such a wicked part of being an addict is about being self-serving and self-seeking. So, you know, to be useful to others is very important for my spiritual wellness. Thank you so much to our guest today, who, as we said earlier, has chosen to remain anonymous. But she will be back for part two of this story in the second of this week's episodes of Australian True Crime. In that episode, we'll hear a happy ending of sorts when our guest defies the odds of the Australian judicial system and gets her day in court. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 YARN on 139276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.